WABC. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Breaking news, WABC. And tonight here on Cats and Cosby, the latest number coming from Israel. 27 Americans have been killed 14 still unaccounted for and efforts being made by the Israelis to try to get the hostages out. Also, it looks like they are preparing for a ground invasion at any moment, dropping leaflets and telling those in northern Gaza, the Palestinians, to get out because they are going to level Hamas. And joining us here on Cats and Cosby, we have the great John Katzmatidis, who is joining us remotely. We also have in studio Judge Richard Weinberg, also New York State GOP Chair Ed Cox, and also former New York State Governor David Patterson. And joining us now here on the show is the former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Mr. Speaker, it's so great to have you here as we are talking about Everything happening in Israel. I don't know if there's any greater friend to Israel in America than you. You've been over there. This is a time for leadership. This is a time for moral clarity. Your thoughts, Mr. Speaker? Uh, You couldn't be more correct. Um, This is a time that we have not seen since the Holocaust. Uh, You know, those young children who were burned and babies and killed in in, um, the kibbutz, I was just there in February 22, taking a number of members, and I'd just been to Israel in May, speaking at the Knesset for their 75th anniversary, only the second speaker to ever be invited to do this. But what we have found is, this is Hamas, and they must be destroyed, but this comes directly from Iran. You can't ignore one of both of those. And something that the president needs to do, the $6 billion is one thing about freezing it, but the billions of dollars that Iran gets comes from this administration not enforcing the sanctions that are already in law. When President Biden came to office, Iran was only producing 400,000 barrels of oil a day. Today, they're producing 3 million because you won't enforce it. And you got oil at $100 a barrel, they're making billions of dollars. The other thing we've got to make sure is make sure that Israel has all the arms they need to defend themselves and to destroy Hamas. The entire world needs to stand with them. I know where we're moving into is the ground, but we have to be 100% supportive and bring all of our allies together to defend Israel to get this work done. Absolutely. And we are talking to the former Speaker of the House, maybe the next one, who knows, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, John Katsimatidis. I hate to say former. I I hope the future. Uh, Meanwhile, the Biden administration uh, is telling Israel to delay its Gaza operations. Uh, what should be our attitude? Our attitude, too, should be we would support you in whatever you have to do to destroy Hamas. We've watched what has happened. This Biden administration, this wouldn't be taking place 
if they hadn't seen. They've been planning this for quite some time, especially after what happened in Afghanistan. This Biden administration should be focused on five point things. The first one is bringing back every single American hostage. We should change the behavior of this administration that no American will get left behind like what happened in Afghanistan. We should reverse what this Biden administration is doing, paying for our hostages. We should tell the entire world, if you take an American, there will be consequences for taking that American, and we're not going to reward you for doing that. We should arm Israel to be able to make sure the Iron Dome has all the weaponry they need, but we should provide Israel with the precision weapons they need to make sure they can destroy Hamas. We should look at our own intel, because what's happening on our border, we've watched from this Biden administration, a wide open. We could have a cell inside America today because of how the number of people we're catching on the terrorist watch list. We should look at the anti-Semitism that's going on in America. We should look at every single college campus. And what Mark Rowan is doing is University of Penn, thank God for him, standing up that we cannot allow these uh, colleges to be doing this, and we should look at what's happening in Congress. We have people elected to Congress saying anti-Semitism, and you have a Democrat leader in Hakeem Jeffries, when he gets asked about what Tlaib and others are saying about Israel, calling it apartheid, saying this is caused by America providing them resources, he says no comment, that is unacceptable, that is not leadership, and that cannot stand. You know, uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, uh, and I always say once a speaker, always a speaker, um, and we're so honored to have you here on Cats and Cosby. You hit on a lot of topics there. You hit on the border. I don't, you know, to me, I am so concerned. We've had that wide open southern border, some new numbers that just came out recently, where individuals from Syria, Iran, and Lebanon uh, that were had terror ties. These are the ones we know about. These are just in the last few days. This is so concerning. How vulnerable do you think we are, especially as we're hearing this day of rage that they're putting out and we see these protests all over? It's a really concerning, dangerous time in America. We should be very concerned. Look, I have focused ever since the Biden administration came in and they opened up this border. I was one of the first down there that first blew the whistle on Um, border agents telling me that we're catching people on a terrorist watch list. Think about 2019. That wasn't very long ago. We caught zero people on the FBI terrorist watch list. And think about how serious you have to be to be put on that. Just this year alone, we have caught more than 151 individuals now. Going from zero just a couple of years ago to 151. But we're catching people coming into California that were on the terrorist watch list from Yemen. This is where you see these rallies. And think about this, the amount of time it took to plan the attack on Israel. You know they're planning that around the world, and they know the one place they could come into America with nobody looking is our border. And they're coming from 160 different countries. And think about these are only the people we know. Think about the people we didn't see and didn't catch. They could be sitting inside America today. And this administration, I'm telling you, it's on their responsibility of what they have done, and we have warned them about it. And, Mr. Speaker, I want to ask you, too, Kevin McCarthy, because what's happening with the Speaker's race at this time? Boy, do we need just important leadership in this country. Could it go to, you know, another 15 votes? Where are we headed? You know, this is very um, disturbing to me because, you know, today is a payday for all of our men and women in uh, uniform. And what happened was there were eight people led by Matt Gates and every single Democrat 
Can you imagine just 4% of the Republican Party partnering with every Democrat? This is Tlaib, this is Adam Schiff, this is Swalwell. These eight Republicans to throw out the Republican speaker, all because I thought it was best to make sure our troops got paid. Could you imagine what's happening right now on that aircraft carrier in the Mediterranean and that strike group, what we're asking them to do, and they're worried back home if they're going to be able to make their rent payment? I didn't think that was smart. So if I have to lose my job standing up for the men and women in uniform, and what about those on the border right now that are worried about the terrorists coming in? They wouldn't be being paid. I just don't understand how we can allow 4% of the Republican Party to work with Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and Eric Swalwell to determine who the Republican speaker is. But that's what Matt Gates has done, and it has put us into chaos. And, uh, Mr. Speaker, we have, uh, former New York Governor David Patterson as a quick question for you here. Mr. Speaker, sure. d- d- how are you? Uh, d- the, the, um, the House rules, would they allow for a unanimous vote to declare a speaker for a week? Say, just to clear up some of these tragic issues, the fact that the, the House is not in session and everything else going on around the world, there had to be some reasonable way, I'm not saying it's your fault, I'm just saying there had to be some reasonable way to get the business done and get, as you said, the military paid without sitting here looking, honestly, like they're amateurs. Very true. And just so all your listeners know, the military is being paid based upon what what I led to do to make sure we got that continuing resolution, that stopgap funding, why we get the rest of the work done. Thank you. The challenge here is we want to be able to do a resolution in support of Israel. And what's happening is all the Democrats are blocking that because I put in a speaker pro tem so they could continue the continuity of government. The Democrats went right to the parls and said, that person can't do anything. So the Democrats worked with eight Republicans to bring us chaos, and now they're working to try to create greater chaos. I think we need to put people before politics instead of doing what Hakeem Jeffries had been doing, just playing politics with this. And uh, just to, before I let you go, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, the speaker, and we're so happy to have you here. Do you... We just heard reports that Jim Jordan had that there was a, a closed yes. conference vote. Of course, it hasn't gone to the floor. Um, where do you see it headed with him? Do you think it's him? Do you think it's another candidate? Are you endorsing anyone, just so we know? Yes, yes. I, I support Jim Jordan fully. Jim was a great ally to me, worked hard, and uh, it, we came into Congress together. Um, he just won the what people would think is the primary inside uh, the conference. Um, we've got some people not there yet. I think we just get together, work a little longer, and we could have a, a new speaker in Jim Jordan next week. All right. Well, we will be watching closely. Uh, speaker Kevin McCarthy, uh, we love and appreciate you so much. And, um, and please come back on again soon. We always love having you here. All right. Thank you all so very much. And let's stand with Israel. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby, we have Professor Emeritus at Harvard uh, and also great author Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz, um, you just heard um, so eloquently there from Kevin McCarthy, of course, of his unwavering support of Israel. Uh, this comes on the heels of there are massive protests taking place all over the country, all over the world. And in fact, right now, as we speak in Times Square, there are thousands of people uh, on both sides. There is supposed to be, I think it's like two or three thousand at least 
Um, I, I'm trying to figure out the both sides. You know, to me, uh, there's the victim was Israel, and yet some of the vitriol that we have heard on this day of rage is scary, Professor Dershowitz. Well, let me tell you which side isn't represented. There's nobody out there calling for a two-state solution. There's nobody out there calling for peace. There's really nobody out there calling for the end of the occupation. What they're calling for is the end of Israel. They're calling for ethnic cleansing, genocide. They're calling for the Hamas charter, which is an anti-Semitic charter. But nobody is calling for a two-state solution, for modification, for reasonableness, for compromise. This is the Hamas side calling for the destruction of Israel, cheering on rape, cheering on beheading. So, you know, the Palestinian people aren't being represented there. The people who are represented there are the killers, the murderers, and, and, and the rapists. And, 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 and you know who supports this? The City University of New York Law School, um, students at Harvard, uh, students at Yale. They're on the side of the killers. Now, they deny that. They say, oh, no, no, we're only there for the Palestinians. Well, the Palestinians aren't in favor of Hamas. They hate Hamas. Uh, Hamas killed the Palestinian leaders. Hamas doesn't want a two-state solution. Hamas wants an end to the occupation of Israel. That is, they want, as all the signs say, from the river to the sea, which means the end of Tel Aviv, the end of West Jerusalem, the end of B'nai Brak, the end of Haifa. They just want the end of Israel. So let's not think that this is just, oh, one side for the Palestinians, one side for Israel. No, it's, it's murderers and Nazis on one side. Nazis. That's who they are. And anyone who supports Hamas should be treated exactly the way you would treat a Klansman, a Nazi, somebody who supported lynching, somebody who supported throwing bombs into black churches. That's what this is. You know, Professor Dershowitz, did you see this is stunning because the Israelis are now saying we're about to do this incursion into northern Gaza. Uh, they've telegraphed it. They're even they're they're saying good people get out. They're even yep. dropping leaflets warning them over there saying, you know, get out. And yet there are reports now that Hamas is not letting the Palestinians out because they want them. Uh, they, they're well, clearly no going to use them for human shields. I mean, we're just exactly to your point. Where are the Palestinians saying, let our people out? No, they, they want the people to stay and die. Um one of the Hamas leaders back several years ago said, hey, there's a tape of it, we love death like you love life. Our children, our women, and the elderly, we use them for human shields because we want them to become martyrs. So Hamas admits that it uses women. It also says, and you hear this on CNN too, half of the Gaza is children. That is such nonsense. What they count as children are 17- and 18-year-olds who are throwing Molotov cocktails and who were involved in the attack on Israel. Yeah, they're 17 and 18, but they're not children. They're murderers. They also say we have women. Yeah, we have women. You know how many women participated in the attack on, uh, on Israel? Plenty of them. So don't tell me that if you're a woman or if you're a 17-year-old, somehow you deserve to be treated like you're a three-year-old. The three-year-olds in Israel were burned to death. Those are children not the Hamas terrorists. They're not children. They're murderers who happen to be below the age of 18. Yeah, and yet it seems like some in the media are afraid to even label them murderers and terrorists. Everybody, we are speaking to Professor Alan Dershowitz here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, you've got a question. 
Alan, I saw you debate Cornell West on uh, television yeah. the other night. And what I thought was absolutely outrageous, Professor West's comments, were that you somehow did not understand the context. Therefore, since you didn't understand the context, you didn't understand why this slaughter of innocence was justified. Could you comment on that? I understand the context full well. You know, that's like saying you don't understand the context of the gas chambers. You don't understand the context of burning of black churches, of lynching. Sometimes events are so horrible, there is no context. You just have to look at the events. And I think the events on October 7th don't deserve a context. That's what the Harvard students said. Oh, it has to be in context. They, they don't think it's in context when Israel does it. They only want context on one side. And so, no, context is a defense sometimes to to evil. You have to just understand this is evil, just like the United States demanded total and complete surrender, just like they bombed Dresden, just like they bombed Hiroshima, just like they firebombed Tokyo. There is no surrender on the Israeli part. As, as long as Hamas is out there, until they surrender and they control Gaza, they were elected. They were actually elected, one of the few elections in the history of uh, Arab countries. They were actually elected in a fair election. I was there when that happened. They were elected in a fair election. The majority of the people in an open election before Hamas took over voted for Hamas. I'm not saying that means you deserve to die. But if you're given a warning, if you're told that you can leave, nobody gave warning before Hiroshima and Nagasaki, before uh, Dresden. Uh, Israel is giving a warning. It also gives warnings often before it attacks a building by knocking on the on the ceiling. No other country in the world does that. Yep. I mean, for Israel to be put in an adva- a disadvantage because of its morality is outrageous. Professor Dershowitz, Ed Cox has a question. Yes, uh, Professor, I think you would agree that even though Biden didn't mention Iran in his speech, that Iran is the puppet master here. There's no doubt. There's the no doubt. The question then is, what's the bigger bigger purpose here? Is it just to make sure that Saudi Arabia doesn't join the Abraham Accords, or is it to really unleash Hezbollah and try and destroy Israel? It's many things. And I have to tell you, this is going to sound surprising to you. If I were the prime minister of Israel, and I'm not, if I were the prime minister of Israel, I would be thinking about a ground invasion and putting it off, but I'd be putting all of my efforts into trying to get the United States to give Israel bunker-busting bombs and plan for an attack on Iran's nuclear reactor. There's no better time for the nuclear reactor to be destroyed. Can you imagine if Iran had given some nuclear devices to Hamas or Hezbollah, which they could easily do? Because remember, they are, they are a, a culture... That is, in their own words, they love death. So they're not deterred by the fact that Israel would retaliate with nuclear weapons. Hey, they're all going to go to paradise, and uh, they'll get their reward there. So Iran must be punished for this, and the best way to punish it is to prevent it from getting nuclear weapons. So I'm hoping, but I have no information about this, that uh, Israel is behind the scenes planning, maybe with the support and help of the United States, not the military help, but just logistical support of the United States to use this as an opportunity to destroy Iran's nuclear reactor. That might also weaken the Iranian regime and allow ultimately for regime change, which would be the best thing that has happened in the world in many, many, many years. And now, John, John, you got a question real quick for Professor Dershowitz. Professor, we, we allowed Iran to go from one 
a million barrels a day to three million barrels a day. In in case nobody has heard the number yet, it's $2 billion a week. Even though we gave them $6 billion, and now because the price of oil is up to the $80, $90, $100 a barrel, it's $2 billion a week that Iran has extra money to, 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 to... uh, you know, to of course. lay out and that, against terrorism. And that exposes the myth that Iran wanted the $6 billion for humanitarian purposes. They have plenty of money for humanitarian purposes. They want an additional $6 billion to uh, ferment more more uh, terrorism. Uh, I am busy now. I, yeah, I am busy now writing a new book called The War Against the Jews. It'll be out in two weeks. Uh, about this, I've been spending you know 15 hours a day writing this book because I want. I will to give you. Big, I will give you a big book party in New York. Okay, I will come. All right. <laughs> Both of you, thank you very much. John, obviously, stay with us. The great John Katzimatidis joining us remotely. Professor Dershowitz, you got a book party already set up, and uh, we love your passion and support of Israel. Thank you so thank much. You Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. And coming up, everybody, on Cats and Cosby, the great Larry Kudlow. We're going to talk more about oil prices and a whole bunch more right after the break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. You just heard from John uh, that $2 billion a week is what Iran is making on oil prices. And joining us now is Larry Kudlow, of course, the great host there on Fox Business and the number one Saturday show on WABC, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, with the numbers through uh, not just WABC, but through the world, all the countries. And we can't forget the stratosphere, of course, Larry. We always have to bring that in. <laughs> and, uh, John, I know you've got some great questions for Larry. Solar system, Rita. It's the solar system. That's right. I can't forget that, too. And the Milky, and the Milky Way. Way. Don't forget you know, the Milky Way. <laughs> I want to uh, just extend uh, the discussion with uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, who is a good friend and a frequent guest on my TV show, What is missing here uh, is the fact that the Biden administration has virtually suspended the sanctions on Iran. So when you look at the numbers, I mean, Janet Yellen yesterday said, oh, no, we haven't relaxed the sanctions. So you have to explain why their oil revenues have gone from virtually nothing to 60 or 70 billion in two and a half years. Or their foreign exchange reserves have gone from virtually nothing to about $75 billion. Or their record sales of oil to China. You have to say, how did this happen? Well, the answer is they've essentially suspended the sanctions. And it's not only oil sanctions. They have suspended the shipping sanctions. They have suspended the banking sanctions. They have to, they have suspended the commercial business sanctions. That is the reality. And by the by, those sanctions were mandated by Congress. And in fact, it was a bipartisan mandate through legislation. The bad actors on that sanctions list, uh, North Korea, Venezuela, Venezuela, uh, Iran, and then more recently, 
uh, Russia with respect to the war on Ukraine. Now, these sanctions must be restored. And I think we had Senator Joni Ernst on the TV show just moments ago, and she's got a bipartisan group. They're very strong supporters of Israel, uh, and they may be able to reinvigorate the legislation and uh, go to work right away next week on imposing sanctions. I mean, the Wall Street Journal called Iran the Hamas ventriloquist in the editorial page today. This is about Iran. And Joe Biden's speech on Tuesday failed to mention Iran. Now, I've harped about this every single day this week. All my opening riffs have been about this. But this is the key point. Uh, Alan Dershowitz is right. It would be great if we had bunker busters and went after the nuclear facilities. I get that. But before we get to that point, we should just restore the sanctions. Um, They had no money. They had no money at the end of 2020 in the last administration, the Trump administration. I had Steve Mnuchin on the show tonight, former Treasury Secretary, and we talked at some length about this. So that's the key point. That's the key point. And let me tell you, um, Saudi Arabia doesn't want a big war, okay? The UAE, Abu Dhabi, Doha, they don't. The Gulf states want peace and prosperity, and they'd rather do business with Israel Okay, they don't want to have to be pulled back into some kind of Iranian Hamas Hezbollah war. But the United States has to stop financing Iran. That's the key point. And you've got Jake Sullivan and you've got the secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, who have looked the other way. You've got Iranian cutouts inside the State Department and the Defense Department. Their whole policy making a deal with Iran was wrong from day one. And unfortunately, those chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, well, Larry Kudlow, you've said it. You've said it all. There's nothing else to say. I mean, uh, I estimated that uh, Iran is taking in almost $2 billion a week in oil revenues because of, the, uh, of what we have allowed them to do. And the other thing, uh, uh, President Biden uh, has refused to acknowledge that uh, Iran is behind the Hamas situation, mm-hmm. which I believe it might be a, a signal to to uh, Israel and say, well, you don't have permission to take out Iran's nuclear uh, capabilities. And well, uh, that, I don't what, what, I, I don't know that I wouldn't speculate just yet. I mean, the issue before Israel is to go in. Uh, the commandos have already in the war. The ground war has already started. They're in uh, Gaza City. The issue before Israel now in the next weeks and months is to clean out 5,000 Hamas terrorists who are armed, who surprised Israel. But that's their mission. And I have great confidence in the IDF. Great. That's uh, point number one. Point number two, you just have to ask yourself. I mean, I'm watching Janet Yellen this undistinguished Treasury Secretary yesterday. And she's saying, well, we didn't relax the sanctions. So I'm saying to myself, I know what the numbers are. They've gone from roughly 400,000 barrels per day, John, to over three and a half million on their way to four million. And the revenue has gone from virtually nothing uh, to about 65 or 70 billion in right. So you say to yourself, well, if we didn't suspend the sanctions, how'd they get this? 
because the sanctions say, by the by, no shipping, no selling, no banking, and no business. And in fact, the secondary sanctions take them out of the entire dollar, U.S. dollar constellation. Over 90% of the world's transactions are done in U.S. dollars. The sanctions stipulate that third parties, not just U.S., but third parties cannot do business with Iran if they expect to be included in the dollar universe, which is so-called the Fed wire and the clearinghouse banks. That has to be enforced. You start enforcing that, and you will turn Iran back to an economic basket case, which is where we left them three years ago. And, of course, they were instrumental in planning this and financing this Hamas invasion. So you've got 5,000 Hamas terrorists. You've got to clean them out. But meanwhile, Absolutely. you can go after the banker and the financier and the planner. Larry, now, will the Bidens to to do that? Break. I don't. We I don't know if the Bidens will do it. All right, I'll get. Out. I'll shut Thank up. Thank you. We got to go to listen to you. I'll be listening to you to you on WABC tomorrow between ten o'clock and one o'clock. Rita, I turn to you. All right, and Larry, thank you for the update all the way from the Milky Way, which we always appreciate. Um, <laughs> and by the way, your your comment was so powerful. U.S. has to stop financing Iran. Uh, Larry Kudlow, thanks so much. Uh, John, obviously, stick with us. And everybody, after the break on Cats and Cosby, we have former NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton talking about what we need to look for in New York and in our country with a heightened alert, a day of jihad, everybody on edge. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Your commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby And obviously, America and New York on high alert, big time. And that is because there is a day of jihad. And this was announced by the Hamas leader. It has put especially Jewish schools, synagogues, and many others on high alert. And joining us now is the former commissioner of the NYPD and of also many other offices around the country, too, as well, uh, Commissioner Bill Bratton. Uh, Commissioner, this is Rita Cosby. We have in the studio Judge Richard Weinberg. We also have Ed Cox and also former Governor David Patterson and the great John Katsimatidis is also with us, joining us remotely. Uh, Commissioner uh, real quick, uh, you wrote, boy, a, a blockbuster story just talking about how thin, uh, sadly, that the NYPD is and how concerned you are about the counterterrorism unit of all times right now. Can you talk about that and why, boy, it is so important to have our men and women in blue? The first of the article you're referring to, Rita, was in the New York Post uh, today, I believe. I'm actually in Santa Monica. Excuse me. Uh, San Diego, California, attending a major city chiefs conference with the 75 chiefs of the largest cities in Canada and the U.S. So there's a lot of conversation today, as you might imagine, about what's going on in Israel. That New York Post uh, piece I wrote was to uh, make it known that the defund effort of the city council several years ago has impacted significantly on the NYPD, and the department has about 3,000 fewer officers than we had several years ago. And the city council will just not hire anymore. At the same time, they're complaining about the department's overuse of overtime. 
They're using overtime to make up for the loss of those 3,000 offices. And so what happens? Those offices are getting worn out. But more critically, ironically at this time, the counterterrorism capabilities of the department, which were extraordinarily large, a thousand uh, detectives in the Intelligence Bureau uh, created by Commissioner Kelly, 1,200 offices in two units created by me when I was commissioner, those units are now down by about 400 offices from their peak strength. Why? Because the police department is a trading down. It's not growing. And ironic, uh, ironic as it is, that that strength has been weakened at just this critical moment. So that was the thrust of that article. And uh, let me bring in John Katsimatidis uh, with Bill Bratton. Well, uh, Commissioner, I am worried about our capabilities of uh, uh, that we did have to keep track of all the terrorists coming into our borders and working with uh, the federal agencies. Uh, what say you about that? Well, the good news, John, is that the capabilities of the NYPD are still superb. They closely coordinate through the Joint Terrorism Task Force with all of the federal agencies involved in dealing with terrorism issues. You're referring, I think, to issues along the southern border or Canadian border. But here in New York, even with the shortage of those personnel and those uh, units and the overworking of the offices of the NYPD, the city is still being extraordinarily well served by its counterterrorism uh, personnel. Uh, this morning, Rebecca Weiner, who is the uh, new head of counterterrorism and intelligence in the NYPD, replacing John Miller, gave a superb presentation by video. Uh, naturally, she did not want to leave New York in the middle of this crisis to the 75 chiefs about what to expect going forward. One of the things we need to understand, while they call for a day of jihad today, not much has happened. I understand there's a demonstration in Times Square right now that at 7 o'clock they're going to march up to the uh, uh, Israeli consulate on 42nd Street and 2nd Ave. But other than that, not much happening. But this crisis is not a one-day situation. If uh, they go in this weekend into Gaza, which is anticipated, uh, we are in for weeks of unsettled concerns about uh, the idea of increased terrorism. So we'll have to understand this is not a one-day event, that people are going to have to kind of adjust their lives around the idea that there is an increased threat potential but fortunately, in New York, we got superb capabilities to defend against it, or God forbid, if there were an incident, to respond to it. You know, um, Commissioner Bratton, I, what I think about, too, uh, just recently, the mayor, Eric Adams, came out and said he's really worried about sort of a, a lone wolf attack, if you will. Um, obviously, you just brought up the protests that are taking place uh, thousands in Times Square and marching all over the place the other day in front of uh, the Israeli mission. There were thousands upon thousands. Uh, what? How complex is that uh, from a counterterrorism perspective? And boy, I'll tell you, I, one thing we do every day here, and I know you know this, Commissioner Bratton, we do a Back the Blue segment. Um, every day I do it on my nighttime show at 10 o'clock because we love our men and women in blue. How complicated is that? Um, with a reduced force, too, right now. Uh, don't we all wish that the uh, New York City Council and state legislature would back the blue? They've been stabbing them in the back for the last several years. But uh, going forward, that uh, the principal concern, uh, Rebecca uh, Weiner uh, references in her comments to the chiefs today, is the lone wolf action. Lone wolf was inspired by, as they used to be, by al-Qaeda and ISIS, now the third player entering the scene, the fourth, third and fourth player, Hamas and Hezbollah, encouraging, as they did today, a day of jihad, which basically is a day of demonstrations. 
But the lone wolf is still the one of most concern because the one that's the most difficult to detect. But once again, uh, this city has had uh, at least 60 attempted terrorist attacks since 9-11. The vast, vast majority of them were thwarted before they could pull them off. They have been several successful ones. But again, uh, while the capabilities of the NYPD, particularly its uniformed resources, have been diminished significantly because of the city's uh, defunding of its police department, the intelligence capabilities, thank God, are still the best in the country. Well, Commissioner Bill Bratton, we thank you so much, and thank you for always shining a light on our men and women in blue. Please keep us posted, and we always appreciate you being here on the show so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Commissioner. And uh, before we bring in our next guest, John, uh, it's somebody's birthday. Let's let's uh, play a little bit of it. Anchors away because it is the Navy's birthday today, uh, 248 years and looking good for 248. Um, Rita, and also, us also today, Cousin Brucey's uh, birthday. Yes, by the way, I am so glad. Who I'm sure, by the way, he loves Anchors Away. He's such a patriotic guy, John. I'm so glad you gave a shout out to, to uh, uh, all the great naval men and women and Cousin Brucey. It's fitting that they share a day. You're right, John. And joining us now is KT McFarland, the former Deputy National Security Advisor. And KT, before we get to the, obviously, a pivotal role that the Navy's going to be playing in this effort in Israel, you have family, right? Your daughter and son-in-law are Navy, right? My daughter and son-in-law are the class of 2008 at the Naval Academy. My daughter is a lieutenant commander in the Navy Reserve. She's a surface warfare officer. She is currently serving in the Florida State Legislature, but indeed, she is a naval reservist. Bravo, bravo. You know, uh, let's talk about just how big of an effort this is, KT. Obviously, you know the stakes so high. You're a former Deputy National Security Advisor there under President Trump. Uh, the world, it seems like, is on fire, people on edge. And we have, of course, the USS Gerald Ford's in theater. It's right there now. Uh, the USS Eisenhower has just left a few hours ago. What kind of role will the Navy, could the U.S., obviously, that major aircraft carrier, and now another one en route, what could they play? They are there for several reasons. The first and most obvious one is to tell everybody in the region America has a stake in this. And to, as a deterrent to Iran, to Hezbollah, to anybody who wants to cause trouble in the region, don't you do it. We've got Israel's back, and you may have to mess with us if you try to mess with Israel. The second thing is that there will now be um, one of the things that Israel's going to need. Israel's never asked the United States to come fight for it. We've all, they've always said, look, give us what we need, intelligence, military equipment, aid, and we'll fight for ourselves. We will defend Israel by ourselves, for ourselves. We don't need you. So we're not there to join the fight as much as to back the fight. And the final thing, I think, potentially, is if we have to evacuate a lot of Americans from the region and they can't fly out because it's too dangerous to fly out, aircraft to fly in and out. I mean, American Airlines, I believe, has shut down a lot of the air flight, the traffic that was going in and out of Tel Aviv Airport. So maybe the American... Aircraft is uh, aircraft carriers are there in case they have to evacuate. And uh, John, you've got a question for KT McFarland. Well, the Biden administration has been wrong about a lot of stuff, and uh, <laughs> uh, Jake Sullivan has been r- wrong about almost everything. Uh, but uh, the Biden administration has now told Israel 
to slow down on the invasion uh, in uh, uh, in the Gaza. What say you? Yeah, this is what I was worried about all the time, John, is that with the initial horror of what has happened in Israel in the last, we've seen the pictures in the last several days, that President Biden came out and said, we've got your back, Israel, we're going to help you, this is horrible violence, we condemn it. This what's going to now start happening is as Israel goes into Gaza and cleans out and destroys not just the weapons and depots, but the senior leadership of Hamas, the political and military leadership of Hamas, there will be significant civilian casualties. And the worry that is that world public opinion changes and says, wait a minute, Hamas, we're not thinking about those stories of a week ago. We're not going to be thinking about the civilian casualties we're seeing. We're going to start blaming Israel. And so if Israel is abandoned by the United States, or as you said, President Biden is saying, well, go slow, don't do this, don't do that, then Israel is going to have to make a big choice. Do they just go in and do what they have to do? Or are they going to somehow, you know, hold their fire? Are they going to let Hamas continue to exist and continue to do what they've just done? Somebody just uh, texted me from Israel and said, well, the Israelis after uh, President Biden's speech uh, are supporting Biden. And I said, you know what I said to them? I said they have no other choice. He is the president and he is calling the shots. And the aircraft carrier wouldn't be there unless President Biden says be there. So they're in a uh, they are in a mess. Totally. And they and President Biden has done a good job so far of saying he's going to help Israel. He's going to give Israel intelligence. He's going to back up Israel with weapon systems as they deplete theirs as they go into Gaza. But the question becomes, how long is he going to do this? Because this is not over in a week. This is not over in two weeks. And if Hezbollah joins the front fight where they're attacking Israel from the north, then the war gets even bigger. My worry is that if, if somehow Israel feels abandoned, either by the United States or by Europe, that Israel then says, you know, I've got nothing left to lose. We've got to go in and, and kill off all of Hamas, and we might as well go look at Iran's nuclear sites while we're at it. All right, KT McFarland, Judge Weinberg has a, a quick question for you. Well, welcome back, uh, KT. I'll Thank tell you, you what, I'll tell you what concerns me. You have Qatar is protecting the senior leadership of Hamas. Hamas is calling for a worldwide jihad, which is a war against Western civilization, anybody who disagrees with them. Why can't we just go in and get them out? Why is Qatar protecting them? Why aren't they war criminals who should be surrendered to the international courts? You know, you've gotten a really good point, because the senior leadership of Hamas, they're not in Gaza City waiting for the onslaught. They're living like kings in, in Qatar. And they're being protected by the Qatar government. And we are kind of going along with it. If we, we've got, it's going to come to the top point where people in the Middle East are going to have to choose. And are they going to choose Iran as the dominant country in the region? Iran, which sponsors terrorism with Hezbollah, Hamas, which threatens all of the countries in the region, Saudi Arabia, the Gulf Arab states. Or are they going to say, you know, we are going to finally admit what it is. Iran, wealthy Iran, thanks to the United States and thanks to high oil prices, Iran is promoting terrorism throughout the region, and it's just got to be stopped. Either Iran stops these guys, stops supporting these guys, or we go in and take out the bad guys. All right, KT McFarland, uh, spot on. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And thank you again uh, to your daughter and son-in-law on uh, Navy's birthday, too, KT. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks so much. And everybody stay with us here on Cats and Cosby. A lot more ahead. We're also going to talk with Curtis Lewa and get a feel of the streets and what's happening with all these protests all over New York and elsewhere. Stick with us. A lot more after the break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. John Katsimatidis joining us remotely. We still have, of course, Judge Richard Weinberg, also Ed Cox, former Governor David Patterson, and Curtis Lee was here. Curtis, you've been out on the streets. you got to fill us in because huge protests in Times Square right now, thousands of people. Right, and it's just uh, those that are there for the Palestinians, for Hamas, uh, you don't have a Israeli contingent like you did the original demonstration uh, that really set a lot of people off. That's the one where uh, the Palestinian uh, supporters were actually praising Hamas. This was in the aftermath of the slaughter. Even AOC, although crazy, distanced herself from them, uh, although now she's blaming fundamentalist Christians for what's going on. Like, lady, get on, get on track. But I will tell you, uh, the biggest problem I see uh, with our Jewish brothers and sisters is they don't get Gentiles involved. Uh, Chairman Cox, they had a unity rally in Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza. Uh, I was there. I said, why don't you have Congressman Lee Zeldin up on the stage speaking, right? Proud Jew, Zionist, uh, former member of Congress, uh, served in the U.S. military. Oh, we, we don't have Republicans. I said, okay, all right, just basically uh, cut off your lines of support. Few, if any, Gentiles in the crowd. It's almost like, why don't you have some evangelicals up there? Why don't you have people who support the state of Israel other than just Jewish people? Because then the Gentiles say, well, I guess it's just Jews talking to Jews. But I did say the mayor giving a great speech to the United Jewish Federation. Superb. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, and at that presentation, and that night he was urging restraint. Uh, at Gracie Mansion. Come on. But I will say also, Richie Torres has been very good. Um, also, the governor. Governor even said that she would call in the National Guard if needed no to need. come the protest. Trust me, uh, I'm out in the streets. This is tribal. These are college kids who wear the keffiyeh versus college kids who support the state of Israel. Uh, you might as well have rumbles of fraternities and sororities in the street. That's do, really what this is. Do you think they is. even understand what they're out there for? You know, I mean, do, do you, they're out there. Do you, do you think they really on, understand the depth? Hold on. My husband-in-law has a question for me here, yeah, David uh-oh. Patterson. Oh, let's well, see it. You know, Curtis, when you've been under that kind of attack and had to witness the horrors in the last week, a lot of times groups become very frightened. They don't even know. They're almost afraid to ask anyone for help because they don't even know that anyone will help them. No, trust me. The Gentiles would help, but you must incorporate them. By the way, I was... Uh, oh, no, I agree with you. I'm saying the willingness to reach out uh, might be impaired by the fact that that uh, we couldn't even imagine this kind of an attack last Friday. Yeah, but I was I must tell you, I got off the one train, 116th Street last night. That's Columbia University. Uh, David Patterson, alumni, they were hanging Palestinian flags from his dorm, his former dorm. I don't know if that was your dorm room, uh, but they had the university in lockdown. They didn't let anybody in from outside. Yeah, what do you 
make of all this with all the universities? By the way, Bernie Sanders just came out and was condemning Israel. Bernie Sanders, Whoa. AOC. To be expected, I self-hating mean, Jew. I, but, I mean. but here they are, members of Congress. Well, uh, you know, this me, is I troubling. I talk to that. I am telling you now, the biggest mistake, and I'm telling you as the House Democrat, along with the Governor Patterson, the biggest mistake the Democratic Party ever made is allowing people like Sanders, an AOC and a Democratic Socialist into their party. They are not part of the Democratic Party. They should not be part of the Democratic Party. Correct. They want to run as Democratic Socialists. Let them run as Democratic Socialists, but get out of the Democratic Party. But they are now the tail that's wagging the dog, the Democratic Party. Absolutely. Look, it. I would just advocate to all liberal uh, Jews out there who need allies, get the evangelicals on board they love israel more than anybody else in the second intifada i was there they were there i didn't see anybody else there and let me go to john katsimatidis for final thoughts john curtis i'm going to be back to work on monday and we need that list of the socialist candidates running for city council because the socialists want to defund the police and and put new york in the worst in the worst condition you yeah, got Curtis, it. get that uh, list in here by Monday. Yeah, but, uh, one of, one <laughs> of them was uh, one of them was uh, the gun toter Ina Vernikov. She was strapped with a nine millimeter. Good She's for, ready to go. Good for her. Yeah, good for her. <laughs> she got arrested. Wow. By the way, everybody, self arrested. Yes, yeah, self arrested. Yeah, there. yeah. Well, it was uh, apparently showing uh, the uh, the gun. Uh, but anyway, everybody, what a crazy time. I just want to say on a serious note, let us pray for Israel. Let's pray for America. And what do we all stand for, guys? Truth, Truth justice. And the American, American way. way. God bless America. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.